Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. I'm excited to be here. I hope you are too. Today we are in Genesis chapter 1. We are working our way through, uh, well, we're picking up at verse 17 here, but we're going to really start back a little bit earlier at verse 14, looking at the fourth day of creation. And we know that God created um, the earth and the sky and all the rest in six literal days. And on the seventh day, he rested. So we are moving right along here, friend. We are just going down this road together. I'm so excited that you're here with me. I'm excited to preach the message. My only complaint is we don't have more time. But then again, I feel like if this thing was longer, maybe uh, we would, you know, would be a little bit harder in this day and age when everyone's so busy to keep, uh, keep everybody tuned in. So you know what? 15 minutes is not bad. Uh, I saw a podcast one day, one day from a brother that uh, I really admire, and their podcast was like five minutes. I said, oh, man, five minutes. I whew, I couldn't get past the introduction. But here we go. Genesis 1. We're going to look at this block of scripture from 14 through 19, which details the fourth day of creation. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God sent them, set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Amen. So that there is the fourth day account. We see here that God gave us the sun and the moon and he gave us this light and he separated or divided the light from the darkness. So God introduces the day, the idea of day and night. What Who made the concept of day and night? God did. And here are some reasons why. Number one, to give light upon the earth. In the day, where would we be without sunlight? Light is a very important theme in the Bible. I did a little research, and from what I could tell, and I know different searches, uh, search data, it varies. Like, I'll use tools, and I'll look up a term from the University of Michigan, King James Bible search, and it'll give me one number, and then from another tool, it'll give me another. So I know it's not, like, rock solid, but uh, looks like roughly there are 414 mentions of the word light in the Bible. God gives a lot of real estate to light. Look at Genesis 1. I mean, we've talked about light a lot, the mention of lightness a lot, a lot, the idea of illuminating. What is light a picture of in the Bible? We've spoken about this on the program recently. Jesus, his supreme role in the Trinity, Godhead, and saving power. Amen. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Not just Jesus himself, but the guiding principle that with light, you can see what's in front of you and all around you clearly. What an important principle. Psalm 119, 105. 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, how important it is to let God's word illuminate or show us how and where to walk and what's going on. You know, it's much harder for the devil to trick us when we are in God's word day and night, because we are at least aware of right and wrong and what God desires for us to do and what he doesn't desire for us to do. We don't need some crazy, you know, uh, moment to happen in our lives. We don't need, you know, a spirit to walk through our door and tell us what to do. We can get into the God's word and by the working of the Holy Spirit for those that are saved, we can be guided by the light in his word. You know, me, I like love the beach. Sometimes, especially when I was younger, if I'm honest, before I had kids, if I'm honest, <laughs> we would get up early, super early, you know, five, six in the morning and walk out to the beach if we were there visiting, you know, on a campground or you had a hotel or a home or whatever it was. And I would just kind of sneak out there right before the sun came up and I'd have some kind of camera with me or my phone uh, as, you know, phone cameras got better. And man, I could just take a million pictures out there with the sun coming up and the colors and all of this. It's absolutely breathtaking. And what is it a picture of? It's a picture of God's great love for us. It's a picture of that morning light. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. You see who that's a picture of? The sun, not S-U-N, but S-O-N, the son of God, amen. When we see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset for that matter, we should give God praise, amen, because it's a picture of his son, amen. And that's what's so beautiful about this. We are his disciples. So we are to be the light, right? Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And so what we're going to look at here when we come back from the break is what it means to be the light of the world in light of what we're learning here. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, so let's go over two ideas here, and I'm going to read Acts 13.47 to you. That is a, the latter idea of being a light to others, and then we'll step back and look at being a light ourselves. So Acts 13.47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now the Gentiles here would be anyone that's not a Jew. And now, if we were to think about this, if you're saved, you're grafted into God's family, you're one of his own, we are to be a light to the lost. And we should then be reaching for salvation unto the ends of the earth. God's business is the salvation business. A lot of people have twisted Christianity to make it look like something else, right? Maybe a prosperity movement, that God's business is just blessing people endlessly, or maybe something else they, that God's business is giving someone power or whatever. No, God's business is saving souls. And so if we are to be in business for the Lord, if we are to be doing business on God's behalf, we are to be soul winners. I love uh, Patch the Pirate. My kids are now in a patch class and they are going through uh, these workbooks. And since we're homeschool, it's like straight up part of the curriculum there in the morning. We'll go through it. And it mentions being ambassadors and what that means and 
That's who we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be ambassadors. I love it. In one of the exercises in the patch, uh, the pirate workbook, it mentions the idea of getting out of your comfort zone. And I love that idea because truly, isn't that what it's like to witness to people? But let's take a step back for a minute. How can we be a proper witness if we are yoked up in the world, right? The wages of sin is death. And one aspect of that would be the death of your ability to do anything good for God. God will not use a rotten tree. A rotten tree cannot bear good fruit, the Bible says. And a good tree won't bear bad fruit. And so if we're yoked up in the things and the ways of this world, if our treasure is within the world, if we yearn for man's approval more than God's approval, if in fact our actions show that we are living for man in this world instead of God, the Bible says that we cannot serve two masters. And so we are serving the master of this world. Who do you think that is? The little G God of this world, Satan. And we would watch videos years ago that would uncover a lot of the, you know, popular music industry or movie industry or whatever. And the crux of it was that this the people were like puppets and they thought they were thanking God for their success or whatever it was when truly their God was Satan and they just didn't understand that, right? That they were actually serving Satan even though they would try to shout out God or mention Jesus or whoever. They were serving a different Jesus, a different Christ, which the Bible says there'll be many in the last days and here we are and there are many and people are preaching a lot of different Christs. But the true one, the one of the Bible calls us to be holy because God is holy, calls us to be set apart Call, I mean, think about what does a Christian mean? It means to be Christ-like. And when we look at the life of Christ, he was sinless and perfect. Well, we can't be sinless and perfect on this earth, but by the working of the Holy Spirit, we can be repentant before God. We can recognize sin. We can do our best to flee from sin. The so-called Christian that relishes in sinful behavior, who are they? I mean, are they gods? Are they a child of God? If they are, they'd be chastened all the way to the woodshed every single minute of the day to the point where they'd be disgusted by their behavior. Because as children of God, we have an expectation. I have kids and all three of them, have, there's an expectation in our house. Like there are certain things, they're part of our house. They're my child. You're going to do things a certain way. It's yes, ma'am. It's yes, sir. It's like if they're guests over, you don't go upstairs and start playing games or something. You're down here with a guest, things like that. There's things they do, right? And we as Christians need to have an understanding that God has an expectation for us to get ourselves right, amen? To look upon ourselves, we're pointing out that that uh, that beam in the other person's eye, we, we, need to, we need to look at ourselves and our own eyes. We need to make sure that we're right with God before we're out there witnessing to others. And that's not an easy task. I'm not saying it is, but it's a very profitable one because as we repent before the Lord, as we seek the Lord's will in our life, as we give up control of our lives to God, as we say, God, not my will, but thine, as we do the things that Christ did throughout the Bible, we are then ready and furnished as, as you know, we go through these things, we're ready and furnished by the Lord's will and command to be a witness to others. And then we can be successful in being a witness to others because we're not grieving the spirit ourselves. We're not sharing some false gospel. We're not telling people one thing and then living another way, right? We are living as God called us to live. We are testifying. We are witnesses to his goodness. And so the first light like the Matthew light here uh, from Matthew 514, you're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. We are the first light, that city is set on the hill. We are to be bold for Christ, unashamed for Christ, 
repentant before Christ. We should care about his word. You can't call yourself, you know, someone that is Christ-like, a Christian. You can't truly, authentically, sincerely call yourself that if you never spend time with the Lord, if, if you're living completely in the world. You can't do that, right? In order to be Christ-like, you must seek the Lord with your whole heart, by the way. That's a commandment. You love him with your whole heart. And then we are to be a witness to others. Amen. We are to be a witness to others. Acts 13, 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So just like in Genesis 1, we have this huge focus on the idea of light and darkness and God separating them, right? Now we have this focus here on being a light ourselves and also being a light to the world. Because once we are able to truly say, hey, we're going to be a light, even if it means dot, 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 you know, whatever it means, sacrifice, living for God, prayer time, Bible study, making some changes around the house, whatever it means. It's different for every person. You know, none of us are perfect, but just sincerely trying and praying every single day. That's all God. God doesn't want some big miraculous sacrifice. The Bible says, I think it's Samuel, that obedience is better than sacrifice. God just wants us to be obedient. And as we're obedient, then he can use us and we are to shine our light. We are to be a light to those that have no hope. Amen. And we can do that by getting out of our comfort zone as that Patch the Pirate book tells the children. It's great for adults too to get out of our comfort zone and tell others about Jesus and to look at where God placed us, right? What, who's around us, what tools we have at our disposal. Maybe it's writing a testimony on social media. Maybe it's giving out a gospel track. Maybe it's writing someone a letter. I've done all of those things. Uh, there was a time the Lord laid on my heart. I made a video and if, I mean, I, I was not, it wasn't my best hair day, but I made a video, uh, testifying to a certain uh, uh, battle the Lord had helped me to to overcome when I was you know, much younger and just put it online, put it on YouTube, wherever anybody could see it, anyone could share it and so forth, just to tell people how good God is and who he is. All of these things lead to the Lord being able to save others. See, we plant the seeds and God does the saving. Of course, God's able to do whatever he wants, but he desires us to be partakers in the task to earn a heavenly reward. And we must both be a light ourselves and be a light to others. And that should be the priority of our entire life. That should be our number one priority. Is it yours today? Think about that. Join us next time as we get deeper into Genesis 1. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.